Good morning, church. And uh, good morning. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad that you're here with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being part of our family today. It is genuinely an honor to be with you. And, and you've picked a good day because today we kind of bring this entire series of epiphany uh, to a close. You say, wait a minute, if this is my first day and, and you're coming to a close, how's it a good day? Well, because today is really the point of the entire series. And so I want us just to kind of take a moment here and, and do a brief recap and then launch in to where we're going today. We've been in this series called Epiphany. Everybody say Epiphany. Good job. Epiphany simply means an aha moment. It is a light bulb moment. Go ahead and put that up there. It's an aha moment, a, a light bulb moment. It's that moment where something that was unclear before is now clear. Maybe, maybe it's a small epiphany, like if you're getting out an Ikea desk or something and you finally have that light bulb moment on how the instructions are supposed to be read and you put it together. Or maybe it's a bigger aha moment. Maybe it's that moment when you realize that Jesus is good, he is God, and he loves you, and that you need him, and so you turn to him. I don't know what your aha moment is, but I believe God has aha moments prepared for people who are willing to follow the steps of the wise. And so this series has been all about the path that a wise person takes, and we've been looking at lessons that really come from the story of the wise men, the magi, who met Jesus in Matthew chapter 2. Now, the key idea for this entire series is simply this. Wise people, put this up, wise people see what others don't. If you want to see what other people don't get to see, wise people see what others don't because they do. They don't talk about it. They don't dream about it. They don't think about it. Because they do what others won't. Wise people see what others don't because they do what others won't. And I believe over the next decade, God has so many things he wants to show you. He wants to show us. And it's going to take courageous, wise men and women to follow the path of wisdom To see what God wants to show us. Because here's the thing, church. If by God's grace we get to walk this path together over the next month, the next year, maybe the next decade. I don't know how long we'll all get to be together. But if we get to, there are things God wants to show us if we're simply willing to walk the path of the wise. And so some of the wise lessons that we've learned so far. Week one, we said this. First wise step is that wise people study the scriptures in one hand. And their surroundings in the other. Remember, it's the picture of a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. You read one and the other to understand how to live well in the world. Week two, we said that wise people walk with wise people. We choose people who live wisely as our closest walking companions. This doesn't mean that you ignore people who need to be led. This doesn't mean that you... Ignore the counsel of those ahead of you. It simply means that those that you say, I want to do life with, the ones I will reveal myself to most, walk with deepest, those are the people who live wisely as well. And then number three, last week we said that wise people live to give extravagantly. There are things that I will never know about me and you'll never know about you unless we begin to practice generosity. And this week, I I think this week is sort of the, the summation of it all. Because at the end of the day, if you are studying scripture in your surrounding, if you're kind of with wise people, if you are kind of living to give extravagantly, but you don't do this fourth thing, 
It's all for naught. So here it is. Are you ready? Wise people, step four, wise people follow the truth where it leads. Wise people follow the truth where it leads. Wise people put one foot in front of the other and they follow the truth wherever it leads. Now, before we look at the text, let's just go ahead and agree that there is such a thing as truth. I know in our culture, we talk about truth as very individualistic. Some people will talk about your truth or my truth. Live your truth. You be you. And there are certainly things that may be preferences, but we're talking about the big, hairy, one-size-fits-all kinds of truth. Let me give you an example. What is two plus two math majors? If you're counting in base 10, I know some of you are going, well, if you count, no, no. In base 10, our typical counting, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. What is the answer to the question two plus two? What does it equal, church? Now, if you said four, congratulations, you've just passed your first kindergarten test. If you didn't say four, it doesn't matter what you want it to be. It doesn't matter what you'd like for it to be. There is a truth statement. <clears throat> Pardon me, I'll try not to cough your ears out today. I've been fighting some allergies. But let me give you a few more uh, examples of truths. Uh, in fact, put this first slide up. We have religious extremism among the world's major religions. You've got some of the major ones, and then you have Mac users. This is a simple truth. There are extremists when it comes to Mac users. Anyone here a Mac user? Really? That few of you? Okay, band together. Let me give you another one here. Here's another example of truth. Available applications on Facebook. Useful applications on Facebook. This is just true. How about this one? Content of women's magazines. 50% says, accept yourself. You're beautiful just the way you are. And the other 50% says, how to lose 20 pounds in four weeks. Now, I'm not saying it's good, but isn't that the content, okay? What about this one? Let me give you another one. What helicopters do in movies. They explode 100% of the time, don't, you? don't they? Do we have one more back there? Men's sandals. Sandals that look good on men. Some of you are going, oh no, I wore the wrong shoes today. (laughs) Come on, we know some things are true. And we may not like it, but wise people follow the truth where the truth leads. And so one more time, let's read the text from Matthew chapter 2 about the wise men who follow the truth to Jesus. In chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet from the Old Testament has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi, the wise men, secretly, and found out from them the exact 
time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Wise people follow the truth where it leads. Let's pray together. Father, lead us to the truth through the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' holy name, amen. All right, I just want to show you three things. Are you ready? If you've got a piece of paper, you might want to jot these down. Three truths. First one, go ahead and put this up. The truth is, there is a king. The first truth that you're going to run into is that there is a king. Nature abhors a vacuum. Nature does not want there to be an absence. And so there is a king. Notice in verse 2 what it says. When they get to Jerusalem, they say, where is the one who has been born? Say this word with me, everybody. King of the Jews. Where's the king? Who's the king? What's the king? Where's the king? There is a king. First truth. Every life has a king. Every kingdom has a king. And every life has a Lord. Everyone will be led by something. And you know this, don't you? There are some people who are ruled by their job. Everything they do is organized around what they do, how they do it, and where their next promotion will come from. And so they operate with that as their primary goal. I want to rise in the ranks. And so other things take secondary concern to their primary goal of work. For others, their king is a relationship. I'm going to have this kind of girlfriend. I'm going to have this kind of boyfriend. I'm going to have this kind of spouse. And then I will have what I need. I'm going to go. See, here's the thing. A king, and everyone has one, but a king is whatever promises to give you what you want. A king is whatever you say, I will submit to your rule, to your leadership. You get to decide what I do, where I go, how I live. There is a king and the wise men show up. Because they came, we said this last week, they traveled almost a thousand miles coming from the east, going west, from ancient Babylon, modern day Iran, and they had followed the star because, see, they had been reading these ancient texts, the ancient Jewish scriptures, we believe, given to them some 600 years before the birth of Christ by the man Daniel. And they had been reading and, and they came across in these texts that there was going to be a king and he was going to be a good king and he was going to be a great king. And they said, we want to find this king. And so they began to search for the king and then the star in the sky began to lead them. And we talked about this week one. We don't know what the star was, but they followed a thousand miles, step after step after step, because they knew what you and I know, there is a king. And they get to Jerusalem. Now, here's the interesting thing. I had someone ask me earlier this week, why did they go to Jerusalem? Answer, they did not have the whole story. They had enough to get them going. 
They had enough to take their first step, but they did not have every piece of information when they began their journey. Listen to me. Some of us want to know the entire roadmap before we'll take our first step. But those who are wise don't let what they don't know keep them from doing what they do know. There is a king and they get to Jerusalem. And when they get there, and you say, well, why did they go to the palace? Well, where are kings usually born, church? In a palace. They simply went and did what they thought to do. But they knew there's a king. And here's the second point. Are you ready? There's a king and I'm not it. Now, real quick, I want you to turn to someone and tell that person, say, there's a king and I'm not it. Go ahead, tell someone real quick. That doesn't feel good, does it? All right, here, here's the rest of it. This may make you feel a little better. There's a king, I'm not it, and neither are you. Go ahead, tell them. There's a king, I'm not it, and neither are you. Hey, show of hands. Did that feel a little bit better to say, and neither are you? Anyone else willing to be honest in here? You can just chuckle or wink at me. There's a king, but I'm not it, and neither are you. See, in this story, there are the wise men, and we focused on them, but you know they're not the only people in this story, are they? Who do they go and ask where this new king is born? What person? Well, King Herod. See, there's a problem here. These wise men come and say, we have come to worship the king of the Jews. And Herod goes, ta-da! Because his title was king of the Jews. He was the boss, the head honcho, the ruler over the area. He had made backroom deals. He had offed his opponents. He had done everything he needed to do to be installed as king. Now, Rome ruled, but he got to be king of the Jews. This is why when they asked about this, we're told in verse 3, look at this. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. How many of you have ever played the game King of the Mountain? You remember that game? It's a wonderful game for breaking bones and bloodying your nose. Back in middle school or high school even or whenever you could get around some other people, you play the game and maybe you do it on a, on a mound, or I remember there was one time we played on this contraption. It was, it was like a bunch of weird-shaped bars in the shape of a giant dome. And the rule was, whoever could get on top and push everyone else off, king of the mountain. And there could only be one king to rule them all. See, this mountain's not big enough for both of us to be king. And Herod understood what the wise men understood, that there's a king. And he was disturbed because someone was saying he wasn't king. But he wasn't the only one disturbed. Notice this next line. And all Jerusalem was disturbed with him. Here's why. Herod was a crazy dude. He, he was a nut. Now, he was a cunning nut, but he was a nut. He killed off some of his sons for fear they would try to take his throne. He killed, get this, his favorite wife. Not just any, but his favorite wife, because he was afraid she was trying to take his throne. In fact, 
When Herod was about to die, he had set into motion a plan. And here was the plan. The plan was, at the time of his death, all of those within his kingdom who are most loved by the rest of society would be herded up, taken into a common area, and executed when he died, just to ensure that the rest of his kingdom would mourn at his passing. I'm king, and I'll fight for my kingdom. See, the truth is, there's a king, but I'm not it, and neither are you. And the truth about this, next slide, the tr- there's only two options when it comes to the truth. Are you ready? Here it is. The truth is you will either follow it or you will fight it. You will either say, I'm not the king, but I need to follow the real king. I'm not my boss, but there really is a boss. Either I will follow the truth or I will fight the truth. And do you notice the stark difference between the wise men and Herod? Wise men follow the truth and they are life-giving. Do you remember last week we talked about how they gave gifts and those gifts were used by Jesus's earthly father, Joseph, to pay their way when they had to flee crazy King Herod and go down to Egypt. See, wise people follow the truth and you will be a life-giving person when you realize that the truth, that there is a king, but you're not the king and no one else is the king other than for one king. We'll talk about him in a moment. But when you know this, you will become a life-giving source to other people. See, but when I say I'm king, then I will defend my kingdom unto the death. I will fight for it. I will defend my rights. Listen, people who fight the truth can never lose an argument. People who fight the truth always have to be right. People who fight the truth defend themselves. They deny what they know. They defend, they kind of project, well, I wouldn't do this if you didn't do that. People who fight the truth are not life-giving, but they often are life-sapping. And don't raise your hand, but do you know anyone who often fights the truth and ends up being a life-taker, not a life-giver? Man, there's a, there's a price to be paid for not following the truth. In fact, in 1950, there was one major event Really, this was the event that kicked off America going into the First World War. It was the sinking of the English cruise ship, the Lusitania. How many of you have heard of the Lusitania before? The Lusitania, headlines read, Lusitania sunk by a submarine. Probably 1,260 people dead. Twice torpedoed off Irish coast, sinks in fifth minutes. People are going, oh no, what a tragedy. If only there was a way to have known what would happen. If there was only a way to have prevented this great tragedy. There was a way. Did you know that? In fact, uh, do you see this little notice right here? It turns out that long before the sinking, there had been some notices placed in these very newspapers. Notice what it says here. Notice Exclamation mark. Travelers intending to embark on the Atlantic voyage are reminded that a state of war exists between Germany and her allies and Great Britain and her allies, that the zone of war includes the waters adjacent to the British Isles, that in accordance with, notice this, this is so huge, in accordance with 
formal notice given by the German government. Vessels flying the flag of Great Britain or of any of her allies are liable to destruction in those waters. In other words, in their very newspapers, they had written before, Germany is telling us if we go into certain waters, they will sink your ship. They knew this. And yet the captain of the ship, when they got into those waters that Germany had said, don't come in, I'm going to take you out. When they got into the waters, the captain did not speed up, but slowed down. The captain did not take a evasive zigzag pattern, but he just kind of kept trucking along. See, here's the thing. When you fight the truth, it is dangerous to you and to others. Some of you know the devastation of a family member who ignored the truth that certain things can become addictive and their addiction devastated your family. Some of you know the devastation of someone who knew the truth that you don't mess around when you're married. You don't flirt with other people who you're not married to. You, you know, hey, listen, I know, fellas, sometimes you're like, but, but man, she thinks I've got it. I got news for you. You don't got it. You never had it. Just be thankful for the wife who thought you had it. And you know the devastation that when you think that you're king, you're going to make your own rules. When you follow that path and you fight the real truth, it only leads to pain and devastation. See, listen, wise people follow the truth where it leads. Are you ready to see where it leads? Verse 6, go to this next slide. There is a king. I'm not it, neither are you, but the real king is, everybody say this word, he is good. Verse 6, look at what it says here. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come, notice this, a ruler who will shepherd. Have you ever watched a shepherd? Have you even seen maybe a cartoon or, or a documentary? A shepherd is fiercely loyal to his or her sheep. A shepherd will fight for the sheep. A shepherd will do whatever it takes to protect the sheep. The shepherd's primary job is to make sure the sheep are safe and protected from harm. They're fed. They're guided. They know where to go. They know how to go. See, the reality is there is a good Shepherd, the king, the real king is not some cruel commander, some petty tyrant. He is gracious and good. Can you imagine what it must have been like for these rich, well-educated wise men to get to the king's palace and to find out that this new king is not in a palace, but this new king is living less than five miles away in this little town called Bethlehem, which was known as a shepherding village. What kind of king would be born in a shepherding village? The kind of king who would be a shepherd. And this is what Jesus says some 30 years later in his ministry in John chapter 10. He looks out among a crowd of people and he says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus says, I am the one who will lead you, love you, guide you, protect you. I am a good shepherd. The good shepherd doesn't tell you to die for me. The good shepherd says, I will die for you. 
The good shepherd, the good shepherd says, you follow me and I will lead you to life. There is a king. You're not it. I'm not it. But there is a king and he is good. He is a good, good shepherd. This is the truth. In fact, Jesus in John 14 makes a very important claim and I need you to sit up because some of us have gotten into this area where we say, well, I will accept Jesus and follow him when it is a convenience to my life, but when I don't like what he says, I will do my thing. But Jesus does not give us this mushy middle. He says, either follow me or follow yourself, but you can't do both because he says, I am the way. There is no other way to life. I am the truth, not a truth, not my truth. Not someone's truth. I am the truth. If you follow truth, you're going to follow and find and love and cherish and obey me. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. And if you want life, if you want to be someone who is both a life-receiving and life-giving presence, you follow the truth. And let me say something to some of you. You're not following Jesus yet, and that's okay. Because you're exploring. You're still not sure about all this. I want you to know something. We've talked a lot about truth this morning. What is truth? How do we know truth? We can get into that. If you have any questions, I want you to know you can ask us anything. We may not have the answer, but we'll look for it together. We are not afraid of asking the questions because hear me now, we serve a God who's big enough to handle your big questions. In fact, I want you to know something. Jesus Christ himself, if you're exploring, if you're not so sure about this, can you really trust this guy? Is he really the king? All those questions. I want you to know Jesus would be the first to tell you to follow the truth wherever it leads because he knows and he is confident that if you follow the truth, it will lead you to him. He is the truth. All right, so the three truths. There's the king. I'm not it. You're not it. But he is good. And wise people follow the truth where it leads. They take their next step. And the reason it's so important that you travel with wise people is because there are going to be days where you go, man, I just don't know if I can take another step. And you need people to say, you've come too far to give up. The reason you travel with the scriptures in one hand and you're looking around at your surroundings is because you're going to need, as you follow truth, to kind of say, what is truth and where does this work in our culture? And the reason that you need to be a generous person is because there are going to be moments where you're not going to know truth until you begin to practice what you preach. This is what it means. Wise people, follow the truth wherever it leads And I just want you to know that today we looked at a story about a group of men who were going and looking for the truth. They said, we got to find the truth. But church, did you know that the truth actually came to find you? The only reason they found Jesus is because Jesus came and Jesus lived. And like a good shepherd, he laid down his life, not in the field, but on a hill, not among wolves, but among people shouting crucify him. He laid down his life so that the sheep 
would be able to find life. And on the third day, he rose again. And he says now to anyone who is tired of trying to make it work on their own, who says, I've tried to be king and I've messed it up. He says, you come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. I am the good shepherd. You just follow me. You follow me. You follow me. And I will bring you life. This is what wise people do. They follow the truth wherever it leads.